Okay, first of all, Ashkayach to Chaim Shor for sponsoring this morning's learning. There's also the Kiddush Al Shuddis in honor of his father's yard site. I don't know the name, but uh, either way, what's the name? Nachman ben Moshe, the Shavshav and Aliyah. And with that, only Shavshav and Aliyah, and with that, only Shavshav and Aliyah, shall I see Nechamas and Simcha Ad Biyaskal Tzedek. So that's number one. Number two, there was an issue that I need to refill the toner in the printer. So the copies the, the, the are not that good. So I took a picture of the Marmachamis and I put it on the shul chat. So if anyone needs, like, you know, it's not, it's not like a to look on the phone, but, uh, you know, Shasad Chak. So uh, we have it over there. Again, like, and it's also, you can listen outside, it's also not, uh, not a big deal. Okay, so we took a little bit of a break because of Yom Toivim and things like that. But uh, something more important, let's get back to learning Navi. So we began, again, a number of weeks right before Yom Tovim, Sefer Yoshua. And so we're right, we're about ready to start Parak Base, the second Parak of Sefer Yoshua. But there's one last Nakuda that I think is Kadai to speak about uh, regarding the first Parak of Sefer Yoshua. And to get to these parishes, Breshas, Noyach, Lechacha, this Tkufa that we're in right now. So, but just to recap a little bit, to remind us of where we're holding. So, Moshe Rabbeinu is Nifter on Zion Adar, right? The seventh day of Adar, that's when Moshe Rabbeinu passes away. 30 days later, after the Shloshim of Moshe Rabbeinu, so Kal Yisrael, that's when Sefer Yeshua picks up, where the Rabbanishon tells Yeshua Benun, okay, now it's time to get ready, you personally as the leader, and Kal Yisrael to get ready to enter into the land and to conquer Yisrael to finish the job that Moshe started. That's... That's what Sefer Yeshua, the first parak, uh, is about. And we learned this, that the Rabbani Shalom gives chizik to Yeshua Benun in particular. Chazak v'yamatz, you know, be strong, be courageous, be, be confident in the fact that I'm going to help you. It's going to work out, don't worry, everything's going to be fine. Just make sure that you're mechazak Yiddishkeit, that you, you know, the Sefer Torah shouldn't leave your lips, and you make sure as a good leader, you make sure that Klai Yisrael continues to keep Torah mitzvahs and so on. That was the message to Yeshua. And then Yeshua Benun then goes to, uh, to the Zekadim, to the elders, and to the Shaitrim, to the, uh, to the officers of Kalah Yisrael, and gives them the message of, okay, it's, we're going to Eretz Yisrael. And one of the major mes- messages he gave over, which, which makes a lot of sense, was telling Reuven God and half of Menashe, reminding them of the deal that they made, you know, before Moshe Benun was Nifter, right? That this, the place that they're in right now is the other side of the Yarden, right? By the Jordan. So that's, that land was designated by Moshe to Reuven, God, and half of Menashe. The deal was that you'll have it only if, you, if the men, the able-bodied uh, soldiers, travel into the mainland of Eretz Yisrael with the rest of the Shvatim and help conquer the land. Not just help, they were, they were very powerful soldiers, those, those two and a half Shvatim. So that's the deal, fine. That's what Yushua Benun says. And then if you do that, then you'll be able to come back and settle Jordan and uh, it'll be yours. Okay, fine. That's, and that, that makes sense. There's... Uh, you know, it's, Hashem didn't have to remind Yeshua Benun to tell him that. That was, that was known from the times of Moshe Rabbeinu's passing. That was known. But there is one thing in the message that Yeshua Benun gives to Klal Yisrael that I sort of passed over the last time we, we, we learned it. But uh, that's what today I want to focus on, this Nakuda, which is that, in the, again, for those that have the Marmachamis in front of you, uh, the, the first page of Sefer Yeshua, so it's in... Um, Pasuk Yud. We'll start from Pasuk Yud. Vayitzav Yeshua's Shaitrim Lamar. So again, Parak Aleph Pasuk Yud. Yeshua Benun commands the the Shaitrim, the the officers, the the the, the, the policemen, and so on of the of Klai Yisrael. The following message: Ivru Bekerv Machnep. Pass through the Jewish camp. Vitzavu Es Ha'Am Lamar, and command the Jewish people. Give them the following message: Hechinu Lachem Tzeda. They should prepare for themselves provisions. 
Because in three days, you're going to pass over the Yardin. To, give, to, to receive the land that Hashem has given you. So the message that Shubhanun gives is that in three days we're, we're going into Eretz Yisrael. So here the question is, where is these three days coming from? At no point did, in the message that the Rabbani Shalom said to Yishubinun, did he say, by the way, it's in three days. L'chayr is reason like the limits. So if Hashem says, it's time to go in, so go in today. Like, what, what's this ending of three days? So you want to tell me that, like Yishubinun says, you have to prepare provisions. What do you need provisions for? You have the money. You have, like, what, what, exactly is ne- what, what exactly is needed? And why dafka three days? Okay, so let's work this through. We'll see in, in Pshat and Chazal. And then we'll see B'dar Chavoyda, what, what we can learn from this. So if you take a look at Rashi, uh, Rashi doesn't address why Dafka three days, but in terms of what, this pro- what these provisions are, like what exactly do the Jewish people have to prepare. So Rashi says as follows, and again, in Pasuk Yudalaf, again, those that have it good, if not, just listen in. Rashi says, Kol anything that they needed for traveling, or let's say uh, uh, weaponry for the, for the wars that they're going to face, he's telling them to prepare. So in other words, Rashi's, what Rashi's bothered by is what he's about to say. If provisions means food and drink, they had mon. So there was no issue with food and drink. They had mon uh, provided for them until uh, the beginning of Pesach, which was, which was a little bit later. So right now they have all the food they need. So when it says provisions, says Rashi, it must mean, it must mean weaponry and other things that you need for traveling and so on, but not food, not food and drink. Okay, that's Rashi. Now, if you take a look at the bottom of the page that you have, this is a, this is a, this is a, a version of Sefer Yeshua that brings along with it Midrashim from different places. So, <laughs> at the bottom of the page, on Yud Aleph, this is a piece from the Medrash Tanad Velio. Okay? Tanad Velio is a very terse Medrash. It's hard to read sometimes, so what they did over here is that in the brackets they filled in a lot of the blanks just to make it more readable. So we'll read it together. The Medrash over here is asking the same question as Rashi. What exactly are these provisions? You don't need, again, food and drink you had because of the month. So what exactly is, ne- is, is needed? And in that question, the Medrash is going to also deal with what's this in your three days? Why three days? Where you should get this idea from? So that's what we're going to see. So the Medrash says, Again, the question is why did they need to provide provisions? They had the month. So says the Medrash, this is coming to teach you something altogether different. This is the style of Tanavel Yo. It's like, um, you'll, you'll see, it's an interesting style. If a person wants to learn and desire words of Torah, said the Medjish, what this story, this Indian of provisions and Dafka three days, <coughs> what it's teaching you is, is it's a model about how to think when a person is like sort of entering into Avaidus Hashem how to go about doing that, and the way to model yourself when you're entering into a new um, arena of Avadis Hashem, which is what Kalah Yisrael was doing by entering into Eretz Yisrael, you have to look back about how we received the Torah in Har Sinai. That's the model to go with. Just as we entered Yiddishkeit by Har Sinai, so, so too the Jewish people are now entering Eretz Yisrael, sort of a new stage of, of, the, of that Yiddishkeit. So Yishuv as we'll see, wants to model the entrance into Eretz Yisrael similar to how we received the Torah in Har Sinai. So it says the measures like this. Shabbat Moshe Rabbeinu of Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu before Kabbalah Satayra came to the Jewish people and said, He said they should prepare themselves for three days, right? So Moshe didn't say uh, prepare provisions, but he said prepare yourselves for three days. As it says, 
Moshe said, prepare yourselves for three days. Don't uh, have any relationships with your wives. For three days, remain tar, go to the mikvah, do tshuva, for three days. And therefore, it wasn't just Moshe that tells the Jewish people before Kabbal Satyra to separate yourselves from Averis, from Gezel, from anything ugly, that you should be pure, that you should at the moment that you stand by Arsina to receive the Torah, and this is the message that Yeshua Benun is also telling the Jewish people. In other words, just as my Rebbe Moshe, preparing us for Arsina, told us to, separate, to be, prepare ourselves for three days to receive the Torah, so, so too I'm telling you, as I'm modeling myself after my Rebbe, mm-hmm. when we enter into Eretz Yisrael, also prepare yourselves for three days. That's what Yeshua Benun is saying. She bodlum in Avera, to separate from Averis and Migazel, and we called over Mechoyar, anything that's ugly, view, Bekedusha, Betahara, Kishayavru, Biyardin. And says the Medjah continues, that's the meaning of the Tzedah, the provisions. It's something physical. You're right, they had the Mon, and they have everything taken care of. So what, what, are they, what are they preparing? The answer is they're preparing themselves. They're being making themselves, they're doing Tshuva, being Isaac and, and, and Tahara, and so on, for three days to allow themselves entrance into Eretz Yisrael. So that's what the Medjah, that's the Medjah says. So, what the Medrash is doing over here is drawing a parallel, okay? And that's what you see from Yeshua Benun's Eitzah. He didn't need the Rabbanu to tell him this. It was obvious to him, based on their experience by Harsinai, is that there's a parallel being made between the Jewish people standing by Harsinai receiving the Torah and the Jewish people entering into Eretz Yisrael. And therefore Yeshua Benun understood that just as when we stood by Harsinai to receive the Torah, it re- required three days preparation, so, so too, going into Eretz Yisrael also, it must require three days preparation. That's what's going on over here, right? If Eretz Yisrael and Arsina have nothing to do with each other, then, uh, then what is one, you know, then, then just because you prepared yourself for three days by Arsina has nothing to do with what's going on right now. So again, but that's, that's the point of here. The message is not explicitly saying this, but I think that's obvious between the lines, that there's uh, clearly in Yeshua Benun's mind, there is a strong connection over here between Arsina and Eretz Yisrael. Now the truth is, that's it makes a lot of sense. The Ramban, uh, it's well known, the Ramban already says that, that the, the Hashra Sashkin of Harsinai, when we left Harsinai, it left. Right? Harsinai now is uh, a regular mound, doesn't have any Kedusha to it. But the Ramban says that that level of Hashra Sashkina would then reappear in the Beis HaMikdash, the epicenter of Eretz Yisrael. So this in of Eretz Yisrael and Harsinai being related to each other does make sense. But let, let's go a little bit deeper. Okay, let's go a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. Chazal say that when we stood by Harsinai, it wasn't just receiving the Torah. That came with a lot of uh, side benefits. Chazal say that when we stood by Harsinai, Pascha Zuhumasam, the filth of the Nachash, dissipated. We, set, we left the Jewish people. In other words, as we just read uh, on Shabbos, the whole Maisa with Adam and Chav and Gan Eden, that Chazal described that experience, that Chetei Tadas, which resulted in Adam and Chav being kicked out of Gan Eden, as the Jewish people being poisoned with the filth of the nachash, the filth of the snake, the zuomasa nachash. By Harsinai, when Chazal say paska zuomasam, the filth of the nachash left us, and at some level we returned to that state of Adam and Chav, at least for the moment, until the ego comes, to that state of Adam and Chav before the sin. In other words, the Harsinai experience, if we think about it in these ways, the Harsinai experience means returning to Gan Eden. That's what it means, right? In other words, we were kicked out of Gan Eden, because of the poison that was uh, invested in us because of the sin of the snake. By Harsinai, the the Zuma goes away, which means 
return to Gan Eden. So Har Sinai is the Bechin of Gan Eden. Now this, now once, okay, now that we're translating, that's that experience of Har Sinai as return to Gan Eden, so now we have to rethink what Eretz Yisrael is too. Because right? again, Yeshua Benun is drawing a parallel between Har Sinai and Eretz Yisrael. Just as Har Sinai means to return to Gan Eden, so on some level it means Eretz Yisrael is also a Bechina, an element of Gan Eden before the sin. And the truth is, we find this in the writings of Rav Tzaddik in many, many places. Rav Tzaddik makes this point explicitly, that Eretz Yisrael, physically, the place of Eretz Yisrael, is a reflection, it's a ha'ara, it's a taste of Gan Eden. For example, there's a number of halachas that revolve around this. Uh, for example, there's a halacha that a mitzayra, right, someone who speaks Lashonara, and because of that is punished with tzaras, so he's not allowed into any of any, not just based on English, he's not allowed into any walled city in Eretz Yisrael. Any city that has the status of Kedushas Eretz Yisrael in full, which are walled cities, he's kicked out of. Says so Ratzalik, why? So Ratzalik says because the original sin of the Nachash was Lashonara in its root, right? Because if you think about it, the Nachash says to Chava, you think God has good intentions. God doesn't want you to eat from the tree because he doesn't want any competition. He doesn't want you to be like him. So the beginning of the sin was Lashon Hara. And just as the original sin, which was Lashon Hara based, they are kicked out of Gan Eden because of that. So, so too, Eretz Yisrael, which is a bechin of Gan Eden, a reflection of Gan Eden. So because of that, someone that speaks Lashon Hara, which is now getting back to that original sin of the Nachash, is kicked out of Eretz Yisrael. The Gemara says, for example... <coughs> Bukharis, the Gemara says that Eretz Yisrael is a place that's surrounded by water. We, we, we know the Mediterranean, the Yardin, the Kinara, the Dead Sea. But the Gemara calculates that there's other maybe stroller, smaller bodies of water that literally surround all of Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael is a place, but it's connected to water. And that's its relationship to the outside world is through water. That's exactly what Gan Eden is described as, as well. It's the, the, the garden. It's described in Chomish. But it talks about that there's a river flowing out of it, reconnecting to four main rivers that go throughout the whole world. There's an association with water vis-a-vis Gan Eden and the rest of the world, and so too it is with Eretz Yisrael. There's a number of parallels like this, that Eretz Yisrael and Gan Eden are similar to each other. So again, going back, just standing by our Sinai in order to experience that return to Gan Eden, Yisrael needed to prepare themselves for three days. So Yeshua Benun therefore sees, if now we're entering into Eretz Yisrael, which is a Ha'ara, it's a taste of that place of Gan Eden. So also we need to prepare ourselves for three days. That's, the, that's, that's what Yeshua Benun is doing. <coughs> okay, so, so, so the question now becomes, in what way is Eretz Yisrael Gan Eden? Like, what exactly does that mean? Okay, so it's a nice parallel. Halacha, we find the uh, connections. It's Metzoyer and so on. But what does that mean? Like, what exactly, like, what was Gan Eden over there? You know what I mean? And in what way is Eretz Yisrael similar to that? Obviously, you know, it's obvious that Eretz Yisrael is not Mamish Gan Eden before the sin, right? The, the, you know, we're mortal in Eretz Yisrael too. So what does it mean exactly? What's the difference between actual Gan Eden and Eretz Yisrael, which is a reflection of Gan Eden? Okay, that's... That's the first question. Is it, are you guys following so far? Yeah? It's clear? Okay. The next question is as follows. The, just thinking about these parshias, there's such a dramatic change between the generations pre-Avram Avinu and the generations post-Avram Avinu. Just in terms of craziness. <laughs> just in terms of like how, how crazy everybody was. Like, in the, for, you know, even in parshias, you know, Adam and Chav, we have no, you know, 
it, it, for us, it's hard to imagine that the one day you're created, that the one mitzvah, you mess that up. And then the future generations after Adam and Parshish Breshis ends off on this note, everything's going crazy. Everyone's just mamish. There's no, there's no barriers. There's no machitzes. There's no, like, it just, everyone's doing exactly what they want, full speed ahead, zero to 60, like, in one second. Like, there's no, it's mamish crazy, mamish crazy. And even after the marble, there are fluggers, also crazy. Then Avram Avinu comes to the world, and things, it seems to settle down. Things just seem to settle down. There's no, even though you have, like, Sadaim and Amaira, so you have, like, a pocket of craziness. But there's no, this like, but, but the world at large sort of seems to sort of take a deep breath and be like, okay, we're going we're gonna to be good boys and girls now, or at least we're going to try. Like, it was, and something must have happened. Something must have happened. And what's interesting is, is that when Avram Avinu emerges, which somehow, like, on his own, it seems to just calm everybody down, it also is tied with Eretz Yisrael, right? Because the first sentence that Hashem says to Avram Avinu is recorded in Chumash is, what does Lachlachas go to Eretz Yisrael? It means that there's somehow, somehow, put it this way, when the, the center of the world is Gan Eden, it seems to result in chaos. That's what it seems to result. It's just craziness. Mabel haflaga. But when the center of the world and the eye of the world shifts from being Gan Eden to being Eretz Yisrael, with the emergence of Avram Avinu, things begin to settle. That's what it seems. That's what it seems. So we're beginning to... So again, just going back to that question, what exactly is the, is the relationship between Gan Eden and Eretz Yisrael? And, and, and how do we explain this phenomenon that, that when, when, the ho, when the holy place in the world is called Gan Eden, until Eretz Yisrael is chosen and sort of emerges out of the shadows, when it's Gan Eden as the holy place on planet Earth, Mabul HaFloga, it's Mamish crazy. When Eretz Yisrael becomes the centerpiece of the world, with Avram Avinu, things begin to settle down. It's actually mahalach of, 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 of stability. That makes sense of this. Okay. One final question, okay? And then we're going to explain. In the, in the second Maramukim that you have, the page, again, I didn't make a copy of this because the, the printer was ready, ready for following, but uh, on the chat I have the other page. So this is a piece from the Leshem. Okay, the Leshem... Shlom Eliyoshe, so he wrote many svarim. This, this is a particular piece from Sefer Biurim, okay, page 12 in Sefer Biurim. Uh, I'll see how much we can read inside. It's, uh, it's difficult to read, but just uh, a few lines. The, the question that the lesson is dealing with is going to sound like a very, like, you know, out there type of question, maybe a question that, uh, that you, like, you know, might sound familiar, like some, me talking about it, but might not have any practical ramifications, but you'll see soon it does. The lesson deals with the following question which is in a person's, in the process of growth, spiritually, of a person. So we know that, you know, okay, you have a body, you have a soul, yeah? But in, the, in English, it's just the word soul. But in Hebrew, the soul is a complex, it's a complex organism. There's many different parts to it. We know, let's say, let's call it uh, three parts to the, to the soul. Nefesh, Ruch, and Nesham. I'm sure you've heard of those words. Nefesh, Ruch, and Nesham, and Aran. Nefesh, Ruch, and Nesham. Now, the way it works is, 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 again, without explaining what this means and, and what they do, whatever, that's not the point, but the lowest part of the neshama, the lowest part of the soul, that part which is very much connected to the body and very earthly, that's called nefesh. And then you work your way up the ladder, it's called ruach. Ruach is very much more spiritual. That's where ruach HaKadosh comes from, when a person accesses the ruach. And then you have a higher level called neshama. That's where nevuah comes from, real tevekis, nirvanishlam. Nefesh, ruach, neshama. It's a, there's a stira in Chazal already, in terms of what comes first, what comes first. So for example, the Zara Kaddish in a few places talks about this, 
And the Zohar describes the process of a person's spiritual growth is that first, you have nefesh. You come into the world, you get a little bit older from a baby, you begin to have a consciousness, you have choice, you can make decisions, you walk around, and so on. Nefesh, you have your nefesh. Zacha, Yasir, the Zohar says, if you're Zacha, you work on yourself more and more, then all of a sudden, within that nefesh that you have, you discover a higher dimension that's called Ruach. And you become a big Balmadrega. Zacha, Yasir, if you're Zacha even more, then you discover within your nesham, within your soul, a higher dimension you even know you have, which is called neshama. And it keeps on going like that. And there's nefesh ruach neshama within nefesh. There's nefesh ruach within ruach. It keeps on going out in saif until 120. The Zohar, in fact, tells us, it might have to do with uh, what number Gilgal you're up to, but there are cheshbonis in the Zohar in terms of how old a person can be to access these things. You know? Like the Zohar says that until bar mitzvah, you don't have shaykhs to ruach. You know, by 20, you could be zaychet neshama. Again, it depends on what number Gilgal you are. If, you're, if you've been here a bunch of times, then you could do things quicker. But, uh, but that's, that's what we find in the Zayar. The problem is, the question is that we find in the Zayar and the Svarim a different model. This model is that you start bottom up. Nefesh, which is the most basic, it's like the, like the vessel, so to speak. Your physical existence, you know, as a human being. And then you get to light, you get to ruach, neshama. So bottom up. Kaylee first, right? In a certain sense, right? That which is practical, that which is tangible, your nefesh. That's the Kaylee, so to speak. That's the vessel, that's the, the part of the soul which, which is bound to your physical body. And then you work on yourself. You'll be zaycha to ar, you'll be zaycha to light. The problem is that we find, in the, in, again, in the svarim, the opposite model. The Sarah in many places also describes the opposite, which is that really it begins with nisham. And that neshama then gives over and then sort of gives birth to ruach, and that ruach finally gives birth to, a, to nefesh, top, bottom. So this is the contradiction, this is the sphere the Leshem is going with, which is like, how does the neshama develop? Does the neshama develop like sort of vessel and then light, bottom up, or does it develop top down, light and then vessel in that way? That's the question. Okay, so the Leshem, again, just a couple lines, had a, he deals with it in the following way. It's sort of in the, it's a little bit hard to see, but it's, it's like halfway down in the, in the page. <coughs> in uh, the last word of the line is who. Okay, it's like a little bit past half, the halfway mark. Says the Leshem, in, in our sugi that we're discussing, it's in the following way. Kibriyas haruach va-nefesh. He's let's say, discussing ruach versus nefesh. Says the Leshem like this when it comes to the relationship and the creation of Ruach and Nefesh, and he's going to throw in some words over here that I'm not going to explain. Shema Yoyshev Gulim. okay, that's not the point. Ruach and Nefesh. Briyasim umitsyusim bimekairam. So says Elashim, here's the chilek. There's a difference between how your soul unpackages itself when it comes down to planet Earth, and there's a difference to how your soul is created in its origin point. Every single part of your soul is, was created, in, you know, is in Shemaim, right? And then when Hashem decides it's the right time for you to be born, then that soul comes down into your body. But there's a major shift that takes place between how it's created and how it exists in the higher world versus how it's experienced and how it's brought down into your physical body. In its root, in its root, everything in Shemai, when Hashem creates it, when it's still in uh, the manufacturing plant over there, then everything is above to below. The ikr is neshama, and subsumed in that, bottle in that is your ruach, and even more bottle in that is your nefesh. 
So in its root, what's, what's dominant, what's out in the open, is the highest part of who you are. And the lower parts of who you are, namely the nefesh, is there, but it's, uh, it's batal it's baroiv in the light of your nesham. That's how it is in the manufacturing plant. But when Hashem takes that soul and brings it down to planet Earth, everything is inversed, that everything goes inside out. The dominant part of your soul that you first experience in this world is the nefesh. And the neshama, the higher part of the soul, is bottle, is sort of subsumed and is, is, uh, and is dormant within the nefesh. And as you grow and develop, then you discover the higher parts of who you are. You follow? So in other words, in its root, that's what the Lashem is saying. Let's just see the words, how he says it. The creation and the reality of your soul, of everything, in its root, in its source, in Shemayim. So over there, the Ruach, which is the more spiritual side, is more dominant and Iker. And the Nefesh, which is the more physical side, is, uh, is subsumed and bottled. It exists, but it's bottled. It's bottled. It's, um, you know, it's like, uh, it's like Lamashal. I don't know. It's like when, when, when let's see, in, in school, Baruch Hashem starting up again, right? So start. So uh, let's see, a, a kid's in class, right? So there are, when the Rebbe's there, when the teacher's there, then the teacher is so dominant that, of course, the kids are also there, but they're, they're bottled to the Rebbe. You understand? They're not, they're not uh, hopefully, not uh, making games, not shooting spitballs and things like that. The Rebbe leaves, then all of a sudden, the craziest of the kids is going to be uh, the Rosh Kabahag of the class, right? That's the way it goes, right? So, you know, that's the way. So, Bim Akairam, in its root, where the light of the Neshama, the highest part of who you are, is so dominant. So, of course, the you know, the, 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 the troublemakers of the class, the nefesh of who you are is there, but it's bottle, it's bottle. But when it comes down to this world, then it's inversed. Then the nefesh becomes dominant, the lowest part of who you are becomes dominant, and with time, bar mitzvah, 20, and 40, and so on, as you grow in your Yiddishkeit, then you begin to unpackage what you were given in the, as the nefesh, and you discover within yourself kaiches that you didn't know you had. Okay, so again, just uh, I keep on getting distracted with the word that the lesson says. So again, in its root, the ruach comes first before the nefesh. In its root, the way things are developed and the way things grow is from above to below. So the main thing is going to be the ruach, which is the more spiritual part of who you are. And the nefesh is going to be something that develops off the tail end of the ruach in that way, in that sense. And the lowest part of who you are, the nefesh, it sort of uh, only emerges as the, with the tail end of the ruach in that way. Okay? And he goes on. Okay, that's he gets a little, couple lines later. However, when the neshama comes down to planet earth, parts of Shalem and takes the form of the person, goes into the body, right? Which is what the purpose of creation was for a person to actually physically live on planet Earth, and what happens is everything's inverse. The nefesh comes first, and then with time, the person can then discover the ruach, and discover the neshama, and that's what a person is created, right? First you're a baby, and then the intellect begins to open, begins to develop, then you become Albert Einstein, right? With time. So, but in Shemayim, first you're Albert Einstein, and the part of you that's a little baby is bottle in that, but when you get down to planet Earth, first you're a baby, and then you become Albert Einstein. Okay, that's the last one. Very nice intellectual idea. What does that mean in Avaida? Okay, so there's a end of the Marmachim. So there's a there's a there's a there's a Torah from the Ishbitzer in Beis Yaakov. It's a, 
This was her asked the question that I that that I hinted to before, which was why were their first generation so crazy? Like why were they so crazy? So without without quoting the Lashem, obviously, because it was uh, before the Lashem, but the Ishmael says has the following idea: just as this model, just as this model of how the Nisham is created, first in its root, it's Be'ikr, light, and the vessel is the nefesh, right? The lowest part is like bottle in the light, but then when it gets down to planet Earth, everything is inversed. So Leshem, the, 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 the Ishvitzer says, so too it is with world history, okay? The Leshem was talking about as an individual person, but if you, if you pull back the camera, you could see world history in such a way too. The world before Avram Avinu was reflective of what a neshama is in its root. In other words, the world was still very, it was, it was, it was right out of the oven, you know? We were still very close to the manufacturing plant. Whereas Avram Avinu is that turning point between being in the manufacturing plant, so to speak, and being an existence being sort of modeled after what it is in its root. Avram Avinu already means the neshama coming down into the body. And everything is inversed. What does that mean? So the Dishbitzer the, the says the following idea. It's a subtle point. The world, he says as follows. The world in its, those first generations. Here. Let me, let me, let me try to explain. <coughs> These two parts of who you are, right? In, in the soul. <coughs> nefesh and ruach, okay? Mm-hmm. Nefesh and ruach. Nefesh is the, the practical side of who you are. Again, the lowest part of who you are, the baby side, right? And ruach is the Albert Einstein side. The ruach needs to side, ruach HaKadosh. In the Svarma Vizhbits, we find that these two sides of who you are, again, uh, Ruach and Nefesh, or and Kli, however you want to call it, is reflective of two different ways how you experience the Rebbe presence in your life. There's a side of, of our experience with God which is based on, which, which allows room for your Bechira. Which allows room for your Bechira, right? It means Hashem created you and you exist on your own. You're a, a human being, you're a bar, 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 bar hochi, you're a capable person, you make your decisions, and whatever you decide to do in your life, you have to deal with the ramifications, good or bad. That's Bechira. That reality of Bechira comes from that part of you that's called the nefesh. That part of you which is very human and very connected to your physical body, that's the world that we experience. The world that we experience is a world of Bechira, the world of choice. Nothing, no one's forced me to do anything. I make my own decisions and I have to deal with the repercussions of those decisions. That's the nefesh. And then there is a higher part of your called ruach, right? Ruach HaKadosh, Nevuah, that's already God's in charge. That's the part of your neshama that doesn't really believe so much in Bechira. That's the part of your neshama that sees everything as we're just puppets in God's world. In the earlier generations where the dominant quality was ruach, just as it is in its root, right? Again, remember, the neshama in the root is what? It's be'ikr ruach, and the nefesh is there, but it's, it, it, it doesn't really make itself known too much in the manufacturing plant. And says the Yishbetzer, those earlier generations were being modeled, their, their psychology, their mentality was being modeled after the dynamics of the neshama as it is in the manufacturing plant, which means, a shocking thing, that those early generations had a very difficult time truly believing in free choice. They had a hard time believing it. They were, they were too close to the oven that they came from. You know what I'm saying? You could trace back only a few generations and Adam was created by God himself. How much can you believe in your own free choice if you, go, if you, if you see if Adam Marishan is still alive and he says, I don't have any parents. 
So how, how, how much can you believe in your own free choice? This was the great, the great problem that was happening in those early generations, is that if you don't believe in your Bechira, in other words, if that part of you which is nefesh, which is earthly and human, and Bechira-oriented, is completely nullified before the presence of your Ruach, which is godly, and believing that everything is just God's world, then, there's nothing, then nothing's going to hold you back. Nothing's going to hold you back. What, 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 what could you possibly have told someone in the Dora Mabel, you know, if you do this, uh, you, you know, you shouldn't steal that, uh, that, 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 uh, that car. You can't steal that car. Why not? Hey, it's, it's terrible to steal. You're going to go to Ghanim. You, you think I'm making a choice. You think this whole thing, they were big, these were, these, these were, these were big people, you know what I'm saying? You're going to tell them why you make a choice. The whole thing is your plan. Eina Movada, that was their, that was their, that was the tagline. That's how they lived. Eina it's all God. It's all God. To such a degree that they couldn't believe in truth of their own Bechira. So everything that they felt that they wanted to do, they did. Because they saw that as divine will. It's all, it's all written Hashem. The shift with Avram Avinu, however, is this major shift. The shift is, what's the dominant quality? Is it going to be the R, the Ruach, Yidiya, where your belief in Bechira is almost, almost non-existent, which results in absolute craziness. Right? Can you imagine a world where no one believed in their own free will, and they just believed, which is kind of a little bit what, what Western society believes in a little bit right now, not, not as extreme as the earlier generations, but that anything you feel and anything that you want is automatically true and right and good and, and, and ideal. To have that, to live like that, that that's, that's the destruction of society. There's, that's chaos. That's mamish chaos. That's good, that's fine, when the neshama is still in Shemayim, when there's no option of stealing cars. But once the neshama goes down to planet Earth, to still have that mentality of, of, of that dynamic of, of the neshama in its root, where the dominant quality is ruach, the dominant quality is light, and the vessel is almost non-existent, that's a very, very dangerous thing. But that was the reality of Gan Eden. You see, Gan Eden was a physical place. Gan Eden is, is a reflection of this dynamic where it's physical, but it's barely physical. Barely physical. It was, it was, it was almost completely nullified in the light of the Rabbani Shleilam, of Gan Eden. And so when Gan Eden, which is the, which is the, the factory, you know, but Gan Eden is where everything comes from in that sense. If Gan Eden is the centerpiece of the world, then automatically everything's going to be oriented in that way where it's, it's all God and our free will is non-existent and that creates craziness. Not much craziness. The shift of Avram Avinu, because I already compare Avram Avinu to Adam Rishon, it's a new beginning. The new beginning of Avram Avinu was now psych- psychologically humanity is going to be oriented towards how the soul is experienced when it comes into the body, which is nefesh first, and then on that, slowly but surely, you could invest, you could discover some ruach. Which means that in the earlier generations where the dominant quality was ruach, which means that the beginning point, the foundational point was, it's all God anyway. Okay, and then slowly but surely to, 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 to crack that, you know, sense of reality with some bechira, it's a losing battle. So it went crazy, things went crazy. With Avram Avinu, the shift is, it's now the opposite. Now the dominant quality is what? Is nefesh, which is you wake up in the morning and you very much feel that you're in control of your own decisions and the responsibility that comes with that is natural. Then the avoida becomes to try to unpackage that and discover and to sort of remind ourselves, oh yeah, there is a God in heaven and he's really controlling things and everything I have is from him. 
But there's no concern anymore of things going absolutely crazy. Because the most dominant quality that we have, the, the bedrock, is nefesh. The bedrock is bechira. The bedrock is your sense of being a human being. And within that, now you can have an avoid of animal vadai. Now you can have an avoid of life. You're trying to remind yourself of how everything, the Rabbanish was running the show. And there's no real concern of becoming a mabal and becoming a daraflaga because that bedrock of nefesh is, is firmly established. You follow this? So in other words, again, just as the neshama has these two stages, what it is in its root, where the dominant quality is the light, and the vessel is almost bottle. And then you have, as it descends into the world, where now it's inversed, the dominant quality is the vessel, and the light becomes somewhat secondary that you then have to discover. So in world history, it was the same thing. The earlier generations, the dominant quality was similar to what the Nisham is in its roots for, for the individual. Dominant quality was light. All there is is God. We're just puppets in His world. And Bechir was almost lost in that. And because of that, things were crazy. And that's that reality was reflective of what Gan Eden was. Gan Eden was a place on earth that was physical, but the physicality of it was completely lost in the spirituality of it. Whereas Avram Avinu begins a new stage. The new stage is modeled now after how the Neshama descends into the world, which is first Nefesh, inversed, first Nefesh, and from Nefesh you then discover higher parts, which means that now psychologically humanity is developed in such a way, is, is, is hardwired in such a way, where the first, the most dominant quality you believe in is your own sense of existence, your own choice, your own power. And in that, now you try to discover higher things and try to remind yourself that there's a God. But that creates a stability. And that's Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael is similar to Ganeidin in this way, but, but they're opposites. Both Eretz Yisrael and Ganeidin represent a place which is nefesh and ruach. A place that's physical and a place that's saturated with spirituality. A place of light and a place of vessel. But the difference between Ganeid and Eretz Yisrael is what's dominant, what's, what's the order. Ganeidin, it's Be'ikar Ruach with a little physicality in there. And when that is the centerpiece of reality, then psychologically what that does to humanity is that the main thing is God's in control, and uh, yeah, I believe in Bechira, supposedly, whatever. But then that, that, and that creates, that, and then when, that go, when, when you allow when you, to live like that, that Kavama should be crazy. But Eretz Yisrael means also physical, and saturated with spirituality, but be'ikr is physical. Be'ikr is physical. And when it's be'ikr physical, now you have a stable sense of responsibility and normalcy and like level-headedness, and now you can incorporate and discover within that spirituality and unbelievable madregas, but it has that anchor, it has that core, it has that feet on the ground, that sulam musavart of Rosh Hashemayma, which creates stability. And that's the Chiddush of Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu was the first one to call Hashem with the name Adnai. What does Adnai mean? Adnai means that there is us. Hashem is our master. The name Adnai means that but you, but you have responsibilities in terms of being Hashem's servants. You have a responsibility. And you have, uh, you have to, you know, uh, and there's ramifications for your decisions. That's Avram Avinu's Chiddush. The Chiddush, that, that, that was the major shift. Again, that's why, like all of a sudden, out of nowhere, when it shifts from Gan Eden to Eretz Yisrael and from other region to Avram Avinu, everything settles down. Because Avram Avinu is the beginning of that new dynamic of the world of, of the world psychology being modeled about how the how the soul enters into the body down here, which is nefesh first, and then ruach. Again, all going back to this pasuk what we started with that Yeshua ben Nun is modeling entering Eretz Yisrael, similar to how Kali Yisrael received the Torah in Har Sinai. Har Sinai means return to Gan Eden. Eretz Yisrael means also Gan Eden, 
but a more stable version of Gan Eden. And that, just as Harsinai took three days of Achana, that's what Yishuv is saying, it takes three days of Achana to get to Eretz Yisrael. But that's the idea over here, of just to understand the perspective of these parashas, what's going on, and the Hashivas of Eretz Yisrael. That's what Eretz Yisrael is so amazing. It's a place on earth which is absolutely physical, and it's anchored in that which is physical, but it has an overwhelming, like, like, uh, like springs of Ruchnius in it. But ruch, the Ruchnius of Eretz Yisrael doesn't overwhelm the physicality doesn't overwhelm your sense of, of being a person. You're, st- you're, you're, you're a person in Eretz Yisrael. Ganeiden, the Ruchnius was so overwhelming that it, it completely, it, 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 it washed away your humanity. It washed away your sense of, uh, of being a person and the responsibility that comes with. Because again, it was modeled after what the Neshama is, what the soul is in its root, which is Be'ikr light, a little vessel. But Eretz Yisrael is modeled after what the soul is on planet Earth, which is Be'ikr vessel, with a lot of light contained within it. So Hashem should help us, we should be zochah to embrace that model. Of, we're, as descendants of Avram Avinu, physically and spiritually, it means our job is to embrace our Bechira, to embrace, to make the right choices in life, realize that there is a chrais that we have as people, but to always remind ourselves and to fold within that, and it's a healthy way, and it can be done, that sense that the Rabbanu Shalom ultimately is running the show and running our lives. And there, and there won't be a concern of, of going crazy like that. But again, even what we see with society right now, this, uh, the clip of, of whatever you want is automatically true, as crazy as it might be, it's automatically true. We see this as already. It's a, it's, again, when the world begins to, when you get closer to Mashiach and we're about to get back into Eretz Yisrael and return to that place of other mission, so all of a sudden, Ganeidin is re-emerging. And psychologically, what that does to humanity is also in this way, if it undermines and overwhelms free will, it overwhelms structure and system and who you are as a person, who, what a person always was, and there's an overwhelming of that, and that's, that's it's, it's difficult to go with such a thing, but ultimately, ultimately, it's reflective of the fact that we're getting that much closer to get back to Gan Eden. and when that happens, after going through the whole mapech of world history, after Avram Avinu, so then we're able to, he- to healthily go back to Gan Eden with stability, but the fact that the world is uh, going a little crazy now, not just now, it's been for some time already, so it's... Uh, it's reflective of what's going on. Hashem should help us to be stable, healthy people. That's it. Stable and healthy.